Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. January 17th, 2021, episode 186, Aspirations. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the corner. Glad you chose to stop by. The new year is upon us, and this is a time I start to get antsy for what I need to be doing to get ready for spring. It's remained cool. It is winter, after all, and the warm weather is not teasing us yet, so there hasn't been any garage time, and I'm mostly mulling around the house looking out the windows. Typically, sometime in January or February, we get a little break in the weather, and one of the first things I do is I want to go out and putter in the garage and look around to build mentally what plans I have for things to do to get ready for prepping for the year and what's to come. I suppose that we'll have to wait just a little longer and all I could do now is think about our plans for the year. To that end, this episode has a theme. I had a chance to bring along some microphones as Bob Gloss and I got together to get some exercise and chat about what our plans are for this year. The recording is fairly organic. We weaved our way in and out through odds and ends, and in reflection, it seems much of what we're thinking about is centered on furthering our understanding of different things that we have started already. Much of what we talk about is trying to develop our skills and get to a mastery of certain aspects of beekeeping. I think it's kind of neat that Bob has joined me in documenting his journey of things as he's progressing. And as I reflect on that, he's been in enough recordings around here that his journey of expansion is kind of woven in the show as a backstory and, well, it's pretty parallel to ours. So we're going to chat about what we have on tap for this year. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to that. So, uh, yeah, you're back again. <laughs> now I can't get rid of you. How are you doing there, you, Mr. Claus? You have to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, uh, no. So uh, always welcome. I'm doing well in these times of COVID. Uh, it's great to get out today. Yep. So you're going to hear crunching of, what do they call this, crushed stone? Yeah. Because we're out getting a little bit of walk at Clawson Park. So you'll hear people and you'll hear cars and dogs and planes and whatever from the great outdoors. But uh, hopefully we're coming in through loud and clear. Yeah, it's a beautiful winter day. Nice and still. You know, that wind is a killer. It was fairly warm this week, but the wind had wind chills down in the teens and the 20s, so. Nice to have a calm yep, day the bees like are this. all nestled in their beds. Yep. Polar vortex coming next week. That's what they say. <laughs> are we supposed to get snow? I heard a nice. little snow on the forecast for Tuesday, yeah. maybe? Yeah, I think Tuesday. Because Sharon just blew the driveway off so we don't get any debris in the snowblower when we... So this year, it is now 2021. It is. Finally. Finally. 2020 is behind us. We wanted to talk about uh, our plans for 2021. I don't have many, but uh, I have a couple. I haven't, you know, it's funny is usually by this time of year, I'm on a mission. I haven't even given it any thought. So what do you, you have some ideas. Let's start with you. Okay. So I just uh, actually started this past week thinking about, you know, what are some of my goals for this year? And, of course, my first thought turns to queen rearing, because, as you know, and probably your audience knows at this point, we've been uh, trying different methods of queen rearing, from the genter kit to grafting, and we've had, you know, some success, but I wouldn't say a Nico. lot of success. Nico kit. Nico kit. Well, that's right. Yeah. So, I would like to continue learning more and becoming better at queen rearing, yeah, and specifically around grafting. So what got me started on this is I watched a video. It was Sam Comfort at Appamondia. Okay. And during his talk, he mentioned a SARE grant that he has with uh, Andrew Roll. And he was talking about it, 
And if I finally figured out what they were talking about when they were talking about a 48-hour queen cell. I wasn't sure what that was. But anyway, make a long story short. What the grant is for is they're comparing the quality of queens made from walk-away split, a 10-day-old queen cell, and a 48-hour queen cell. Okay. All right? So since a 48-hour, it comes to the conclusion that. But go ahead. Well... So I, um, I started digging into it. I went to, onto B-Source. And believe it or not, the talk about 48-hour queen cells goes back to at least 2011, 2012. It's not a new idea, okay? And so I started reading about it, and I found it to be pretty intriguing. So, so what are we talking about? We're talking about picking a queen cell... At 40, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, that's right. I didn't either. I didn't either. Help me to understand. (laughs) So what what we mean is exactly that. You have your cell builder. You do your graphs. You put them in. 48 hours later, you take them out and you transfer them to a mating nuke, say. Okay. Or a regular nuke, a queenless colony. And you let them continue the queen cell and then actually till it hatches out all right so is that not what we did with nico pretty much i'm trying to think we went through we waited till it was a day and a half old that was what we heard not not 48 but day and a half remember Right. right and we pulled out the day and a half cell and we put them in and we put them in there the cell builder and remember, we were looking at whether they were fully open, whether they were C-shaped, whether the C-shape was touching. That's how we could tell how old it was yeah. based on the guide. And ideally, what it said was day and a half. Day and a half. So why 24? Is there anything special about that? Oh, you mean 48. 48, sorry. Um, no, I don't think so. So, so anyway, the other piece of this is... Sam was saying that he'd like to use this as a way of spreading genetics from his, uh, from his operation. And the idea is that by giving these 48-hour queen cells away, you can make a lot more of them and give them to people. But what struck me about it is that these queen cells, when they're 48 hours old, they don't need to be... Uh, at room at uh, brood temperature, okay, they can exist for several days at 60, 70 degrees, and if they have all that royal jelly like they should, yeah, you don't have to feed them. So he's basically mailing these 48-hour queen cells, putting them in the mail. Okay, never all, heard of this. All you really have to do is that the biggest danger is that they'll dry out. So he wraps, wraps a wet paper towel around them. And uh, really, too hot is the problem, not too cold. They can, they're so much tougher at this point than they are at, at 7 or 8 or 10 days, right, that you can actually mail them that way. That's interesting. Yeah, your first impression of that. What do you think? I was crazy. I had never heard of it, but it's not a new idea. It's well, been around. Uh, given queen rearing is somewhat new to you and I, yeah, this is new to me. I've not heard of it. any. We've been through legitimate queen rearing courses, whatever. Nobody ever talked about this, but yeah. most of the time you're doing your grafting or you're sourcing and you're putting it right into. A, you're not transporting or sending, right? right? So, right. but I do know in some aspect that what we talked about for the NICO is. You and I last year spent a lot of time looking at the different cage insertions when we did uh, grafting and when we did the, put the queen in there, sequester her. Mm -hmm. And we spent a lot of time inspecting what the egg looked like, when it turned to a larva and how big it was. Right. And that's kind of the same thing to me. Yeah. It it is. You know, I hadn't thought about that. But you're right, that uh, Nico cage, is, that's exactly what we did, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Well, and the other thing that I remember is you and I, in the beginning, we chose them. They were too big. Yeah. And they rejected the first couple. Mm-hmm. We came back and said, well, they're rejecting those. Let's go with younger ones. And they took the younger ones. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a couple of them where we picked them and, you know, our eyesight being what it is, they were kind of eggish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they they say... Now, there's different schools of thought, but they say you could pick an egg versus pick a early larva and but most of the time they don't they don't do well with the egg. Yeah, that's never right? worked for me. I've tried that a couple of times and never had a lot of success. Well, so queen rearing, what so you know, you no. know my aspiration for the whole I want to learn more queen rearing and get more comfortable yeah. with the grafting and that stuff and so ideally 2021 We'll do more. Yes. So, you know, what makes queen rearing so difficult for a backyard beekeeper, somebody who's not raising, you know, hundreds and thousands of queens? Yeah. It takes a lot of resources. It does. Right? I mean, you need a cell builder that's just absolutely overflowing with bees. You have to maintain it. You need mating nukes. So lots and lots of resources. The other thing is, as a backyard beekeeper... You're not trying to raise hundreds or thousands of queens. You want to raise maybe one, two, or three batches, right? Right. At most. So there's a whole different aspect to it. So here's my idea for 2021. I want to be able to spread the genetics around that I have in my bee yard. Um, I want to give them away basically to anybody that wants them. Yeah. Now, I could do that with fully formed queen we, cells. We have to get to the point where we're <laughs> actually seceding more than we did well, this that's, year. Well, <laughs> that's my first point, right? So we have to get better, better at it. But even then, it's difficult to transport those fully formed queen cells. Yeah. The queen is vulnerable at that point. You know, her wings are one of the last things that develops. And uh, if you you handle that queen cell roughly... You could really interfere with that. So here's my uh, my idea. So I went back to, you know, our cell starter last year. Yeah. One of the things that was wrong with it, it wasn't strong enough. Right? It needs to be <clears throat> absolutely overflowing with bees. And ours was strong, but not that strong. So I started looking at what's another way to do it. And I figured I would finally use the swarm box that I bought. Okay. So, you know, I bought that swarm box from Better Bee. Yeah. Right? So I watched the Michael, um, who was it? God. Michael Bush video. Okay. On how he uses that. And I decided that's what I'm going to try this year as our cell builder. Instead of, of using the uh, cloak board and using a full-size hive, I'm going to use the uh, swarm box to start. Okay. So less resources, easier to keep it going for two or three batches of cells, and and there. So. Wait, I I have to take a Kevin moment here sidebar. Okay. It's hard because we've studied the <laughs> professor uh, Neatnik way to do it. Right, <laughs> we're trying to do it the proper and informed way to do it. Yeah. That being said, there's other people who don't go through near the machinations that we do. They just simply take it, put it in a queenless hive, then they move it over and they they just do it through serendipity and they get the same results. They're not doing it with making up queen builders or whatever. They go in an hour before, they pull a queen out. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about the population. Some of them are doing them in these little dinky boxes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, but that's a good point. The point is, I'm not going to stop making queens that way. Yeah. I find queen cells. Yeah, I'm going to use them. I'm going to make queens out of them. Am I going to do walkaway splits? Yes, I'm going to do walkaway splits. Right. So this doesn't mean that I'm going to stop doing all of that stuff. I guess my point is, is that if somebody's thinking about putting this on their agenda for 2021, there's the super rigorous way, a la <laughs> Michael Palmer or whoever, the, the conventional cell builder to cell finisher to whatever. And then there's people who just take 
queen cells that either they grafted or harvested, stick them in a queenless colony, let them get finished and mm -hmm. use them that way and to each his own. I, I think uh, one of my 2021 goals along this is, you know my aspiration, at some point I want to write a guide that's super approachable for how to use a NICO. And I don't think it's fair to do it for one season and go write a book, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I'm going to continue to take pictures and study and learn. And we learned a lot last year using those devices. And yes. also we, you and I did conventional grafting and mm -hmm. that turned out pretty well for us too, you know? Yeah. Well, we finally figured out what was the right size larva, right? Yeah. And that, that's important. And then we, our technique improved. Technique was uh, uh, probably the biggest gain for us, especially yeah. in using the NICO cage. We solved a lot of mysteries of that thing, and I think we made it to the point where it's repeatable. And, yeah. you know, if, if eventually we get to the point of getting a guide, I really believe that that's a way for people to get started in queen rearing, that you don't have to figure out how to graft, because grafting is super challenging. Grafting is challenging, and I guess that's why I want to become more proficient at it. That's the only reason. I can make queens a lot of different ways, right? And I have up to this point. So I just want to improve at that. So here's my, my idea. One thing about grafting is the devil's in the details because there's going to be people who take issue with us and go, stop making it sound like it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> technically, you take your little <laughs> tool and you stick it in the cell and yeah. you give it a little twist and you pull the thing out. And what's so hard about it? Why do you make it sound so hard? Yeah. But honestly, as we know, devil's in the details. Yeah, it's like anything. It's, it's a lot of technique. It and, really is. Yeah, and practice. Like, what was the good hint we got from Michael Bush? Was take the frame you want to graft from and put it in your cell starter yeah. for an hour or two before you graft from it. Right. And why? Because then they'll just flood it with uh, food food, and it'll be a lot easier to pick up the larva and the food and put it into if a I cup. If I think about the, the thing that we learned this year, looking back on, that was the biggest thing. Remember, we drafted yeah. on certain days where the, the hive was wet with brood food. Yeah. And the hive was dry. And on the dry day, we, we got nothing. Yeah. On the wet day, we we made, we had paid her. That was an important discovery. Yeah. So that, yeah, you're right. That was big. So here's my plan is. Set up the cell starter, right? Shake in a lot of nurse bees from all the hives at the three yards that I have, right? Yeah. Just go around and shake nurse bees in so it's just bubbling over. But then what I can do is if I take them out after 48 hours and I give them to people, that means I can put another set of graphs in right away, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I can, I don't have to maintain. Be a grafting machine, Pop. I, Well, I don't have to maintain the cell A retired cell grafting machine, that's who you are. <laughs> I don't have to maintain the cell builder yeah. for weeks or months at a time, right? Which is not something a backyard. So every can every do. year that we've done this is this was year three. Yeah, I think. yeah. I've come to your place. My goal in 2021 is to actually build my own cell builder, and I'm going to come to your place because I know you're going to set up the builder, right? But right. I got to learn how to set up the cell builder and finish her. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, I get enough bees through and have the right arrangement to do that yeah well you're welcome to use my uh swarm box and to, to those who don't know swarm box is really a bad name for it right it's, it's really a queenless nuke is what it is yeah when i think swarm box i think of a swarm catcher a swarm box to catch bees and that's not what this is so you don't actually need this swarm box you can use a regular nuke right swarm box is a swarm it's a nuke with an extra chamber on the bottom, isn't it? Is that yes, the thing you're talking for about? For additional ventilation on the bottom. And there's actually, there's no um, entrance or exit. So once the bees are in, they're in. But it allows for you to overload that box with bees and the extra bees yep. hang out in that extra space down below. And what's nice is you can do all this in one day, Kenny. You can do, you can make up the cell starter. Put it, put your uh, frame that you want to graft from in there and let them fill it up with brood food and then graft from it all in the same day. Yeah. So that's why I want to try it. Well, Grasshopper, I will learn from you about this because <laughs> I haven't looked into it. It's the first time I've yeah. 
Well, the other thing that I want to do this year, and this is not a big one, but it is for me, um, I want to become more comfortable handling queens. All right. You know, I can pick queens up by the wings. You're far better than I am at that. And I mark queens. I and can I, do it. I can pick up, uh, you know, regular uh, nurse bees that we need to put in the cage, that kind of thing. But I want to get comfortable enough where I can pick that queen, queen up by the thorax and hold her yeah. and know that I'm not going to squish her and kill her or tear a wing off. If there's one benefit about... I won't say this too loosely because every queen is a queen to cherish. <laughs> yeah. You know, we thought we were going to make dozens of queens last year. Right. Obviously, we didn't. We made enough. Yep. But um, the ability to make a lot of queens to the point where you could practice with them to do stuff like you're talking about. Yeah. I could reach on and grab a queen. I have big, fat, stubby fingers. <laughs> and, yeah. and it doesn't help. But But there is a certain dexterity you need, you know. There is. So, you know, I know people will say, okay, we'll practice on drones. Yeah. So I will. I will practice on drones. Yeah. But I want to learn how to do that. And that's oh. a tip for everybody is if you want to learn how to pick up a queen, if you've never heard that, pick a drone. You reach down and you grab their wings. As we've learned, they're like handles. Yeah. And a drone obviously can't sting you. So... Uh, in yeah. the springtime, especially, you could look at a frame and there's so many drones. Just reach down, grab one, pull it up, hold it, and put it back down, and go get another one. And if you keep practicing that, once you get it, the, the what is it, muscle memory? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you could look at a queen. The harder part for a queen is <laughs> some queens are moving around really fast. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing about a queen is she tends to be going over the top or below. She's not running across the face. Yes. But when they run, they typically go in one direction, right? Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to learn to find the queen and watch her. And if she starts on one end and she's heading towards the other side, that's the time to pick her up. So that, that's a great point. And what, what really got me on this is uh, I watched a Michael Palmer video again about how to mark a queen. Yeah. And he talks, it's a short video, it's only a few minutes, but he gives a lot of good tips about how to pick up the queen by the wings and then how to transfer her so that you can pick her up by the thorax without hurting her. And uh, just, I want to be... Well, we'll have become, to see if we can find a video and put a link to it. Yeah, I want to be, become that uh, proficient. Have you ever been stunned by a queen? No. No, I haven't. Never. Either. My first ever session ever with the New Jersey Beekeepers Association... Landy Simone. Oops. Hello. That looks like fun. <laughs> um, and Mary Kaczynski. Yes. We're doing a how to mark a queen oh, okay. session. Mm -hmm. And Mary talked about getting stung by a queen, saying wow. she's been stung. Huh. She's the only person I ever heard say that's ever been stung by a queen. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I uh, I volunteered <laughs> to do a session at one of our monthly meetings this year on queen marking. Okay. So that's another thing that motivated me. Good. What else for 2021? That's about it. You know, I'm going to increase my numbers at, at the different yards that we have. So do some splits early on. Um, you know, I... I Honey is never a goal for me. Yeah. I had so much honey this year, I don't know what to do with it. So, so that's not on my agenda. I'd like to catch a few more swarms. Didn't get many swarms last year. I know there were a lot of them out there. A lot of people collected a lot of swarms, but I didn't get a lot of calls. I think I had a couple. And honestly, um, you know, my goals are always the same every okay. year, it seems like. I have some some different hives that I want to put in service. Um, I achieved that this year on some respects. Like, for example, I have the lanes and I have the top bar. Yeah, yep. I would like to get my uh, ware back in service. That's a goal. I'd like to put bees in the garden hive. Yep. If, if uh, you know, I'm knock on wood, knock on my brain. If things stay the same and I have a decent number of colonies coming out in winter, I should be able to make all the splits I need to yeah. get my stuff populated. But um, 
you know, one of the big things I want to learn this year is those polystyrene nukes and how, how to work with them yeah. and whether it makes sense to actually consider them. And then, you know, I'll ask you this question. <laughs> My polystyrenes are awful. <laughs> if they take off. Oh, I didn't tell you. Where am I going to put them in? Wait a second, I didn't tell you. This. Wait, oh yeah, tell me. Well, oh, yeah, shed a tear. Oh no, didn't yeah, make it. So the little mini, mini, uh, what two, two or three frame? Yeah. Cutout that I did. I went in on a warmish day this week, and uh, it was gone. No. Even that's though it was bad. in a poly nuke, we were hoping for the best, but it didn't make it. So you got a, now you got an open. Nuke. Well, I got one. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you reminded me, too. I think one of my goals, I want to get my lay-ins hive going again. Yeah. I lost it last year, and then the uh, wax moths got to it, so I'm pretty much starting from scratch. But I'd like to get that going. I don't, I don't know if I told you this. The other day, I, um, uh, <laughs> this is a diversion from our topic, but. <laughs> We had some honey, two boxes left over. I showed you them. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. Did you hear what I did? No, I didn't. I knew, you, well, the way I left it, Sharon was going to extract them. Sharon's going to extract them. Well, I wanted right. to warm them up uh -huh. so that they would be liquid because they'd been sitting outside in the freezing cold. Yeah. So I put them in a small room with a heater. Oh, no. <laughs> Go ahead. You can venture the guess as to what happened. I have some floor honey. <laughs> Oh, oh. I had that little tiny ceramic heater. It's like a four inch by four inch heater. Yeah. And the thing has a little fan on it. And dummy me, I put the fan blowing on the box. Right on and it. And it actually melted the capping. And when I came in, there was probably a gallon, <laughs> gallon and a half of honey spilled oh. all over the floor. Oh. oh, I was so mad. So the other one that was upstairs, yeah, I had taken leaned over the electric register mm -hmm. for our electric baseboard, oh, yep, and it did the same thing. It melted some of the the capping, and there was probably a cup and a half on the floor. We didn't lose too much, but yeah. So what I ended up doing is the one in the basement that I had in the little closet, yes, has a linoleum floor. So wow. I scraped all the honey up and I put it in a Home Depot bucket. And I'm going to feed it back to the bees. bees. Yeah. That's all I could do with it. I'm so mad at myself. What a dope. You think I'd be smart enough to know that? <laughs> well, you yet? just, you know, you just proved it. You read all the time. People say, all you need is a 100-watt light bulb. Yeah. Right? Put it in a small cooler or something else that's insulated, and, and it'll work. So it doesn't really take that much heat, does it? No. Well, actually, the error was that I put the heater blowing on the right actual on it. thing. Yeah. If I had taken it and set it off to the side yeah. and it warmed the room, it would have been perfect. And actually, the honey spun out perfectly. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. So, I mean, we got, what, 60 pounds, I think Sharon said, yeah. which was nice. And Sue Serkey came over and wanted to learn how to extract. So that was one of the objectives. Oh. And while Sue was there, I went out and did my oxalic acid vaporizations of my hives. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, day after day after New Year's. I know you've been holding off on that. So we got sure a warm enough day. It was, ruthless. what, 50 degrees. The yep. bees were flying. Yep. I powered it with my um, battery pack. Mm-hmm. Battery pack I have is pretty big, but it's probably six or seven years old. It just doesn't have the oomph. Mm -hmm. It did four hives and it died. <laughs> so I got everything up to the cedar hive. I need to do the cedar. I need to do the um, the lion's hive and, mm -hmm. the, and the top bar. But one of the things I'm thinking is we're running out of time. Yes. Because yes. It, we know from our broodminders that the bees are going to start brooding up in, in the yeah. beginning of February. And as I look at the weather out, there's no warm days coming. Mm -hmm. So it may be that they're not going to get an OAV treatment. No, that's a great point. We're only a couple of weeks away from declaring victory over winter. <laughs> you know, I, I usually... I always wait till March. I know. I say if my bees are alive that first week or so in February, February 10th, the only thing that's going to kill them after that is they run out of food. Yeah. And that's on the beekeeper. 
So if my bees are alive on February 10th, there's a 90%, 95% chance that they're going to make it through the winter. My two cents. Yeah, I, I hear you. And and that's true. I, I'm a little worried about, I don't know, I'm always worried about all my hives, but I'm specifically worried about the top bar and whether it had enough food. Yeah, well. Because that got started so late. And yeah. I really would have liked to see it build out to three-quarter, and I don't know if it got to two-thirds and not three-quarter, but... But so far, they're still hanging in there. Yeah. I've My experience, people say you, you can't keep top bars here. It's too cold, blah, blah, blah. But my top bar is consistently over winter. And we've talked about why, so I don't want to go into that again. Yeah. But I, I think even if it's not completely full, I think you got a good shot of getting that top bar through. You might just have to peak that first week in February. And see, make sure I don't have to put something in there. Yeah, and pop some fondant in it if they need it. As soon it. as the weather breaks, look over there at that fox. Oh, see yeah. it right there? Sure do. Scrawny looking little thing. Oh, that's another one here. Another diversion. I'm driving, uh, where I was going to get my blood drawn, right? And uh, I see this car stop on 523. The guy gets out, and as I go by, I see a dog-like creature yeah. in the road. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, and it wasn't a dog. He's looking at you, Bob. It was a coyote. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We see him on the camera sometimes. Yep. So, he doesn't I, look very good, does he? No, he looks a little mangy. He just kind of peeks back at us every once in a while, but yeah. usually they run, and he's not interested in us at all. No, look at him. He's only what? 30 feet, 40 yeah. feet. He does look a little mangy, though, doesn't he? Yeah, the back half of him. The back looks... half of him in his tail. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, he looks a little lost. Well, hopefully he's made it this far. Hopefully he can box. make it for a few more weeks. Over there. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at... Uh, what am I going to do with the hives? What's my plan? I got to have a plan because those hives are so banging. I'll yeah. tell you what, <laughs> that four, six over six over six over six, that hive is so big that the other day it was 32 degrees. The freaking thing was flying. Yeah. It was 30 degrees. I went out there and I couldn't believe it. You that, should, you that should hive have, yeah. so strong. You should have no problem making splits this year as many yeah. as you want. Well, and I certainly have more than enough Langstroth equipment to put them in yeah. and plenty of frames now that I could put fresh foundation. And I feel like for the first time that when it moves all that stuff into new, clean, healthy, it's just going to explode. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing uh, that I'm going to do this year is I'm going to change out a lot of my comb. Yeah. We talked about that yep. already at a couple of shows before this, but... I have comb that's 30 years old, some of it, and it's got to go. So it sounds like uh, pretty status quo, right? We just could yeah. continue our objectives that we've been working on. Um, I, I am interested in continuing to see what we could do about getting high-quality queens in the yard. Um, local queens is well, really and what that, I'm worried about. That's the point, right? Local queens. What do they say? You know? A good local queen is better than a uh, a good gene queen that's not bred, or excuse me, that's not raised properly. Did you did you ever try Saskatraz bees? I have. What not. do you know about them? Well, I, the only feedback I've heard on them is Christine has them, and she's very happy with them. Yeah. So you might want to talk to her, but no. Then I, I, you know, you read what you read, right, on Facebook. Uh, yeah, it, and you know, the funny thing is, is it runs a gamut. There's yeah, There's no way does. you can make a decision until you have your own. Yeah, yeah. I personally, and for what it's worth, right, because I don't see that much difference in bees. Yeah. The only bees that I ever really saw a manageable difference, like they behaved differently, were carnelian bees. Well, then I think, you know. It's and gonna... I like the, the traits that they brought. Yeah. What about Russians? Well, this is a question. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. Is it a goal this year to try? I have no experience with Saskatchewan or Russians. Is mm -hmm. it time to try them? I would like, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but i that's one challenge that's left. I would like to try Russians and see how different they are. Yeah. 
I, I do think that might be something I'm, I'm going to contemplate this yeah. year. Although, you know, how many things can you draw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, you know, this is the one thing about that is one hive does not make a meaningful experience. No, that's true. And I tend to, this is what I remember, when we always got our bees through stand in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when I started to branch out, first one was Stan offered us Carniolian queens that came from Sukopi. Yes. And I really liked them. I did too. I don't know if they were direct. Some of them were directly and some of them were derivatives of someone that followed the Sukopi method, right? Mm -hmm. And we've gotten away from that. And I still would rather go local. But I also want to know about the strains, the Russian and Saskatchewan. Because as I talk about getting started, people are going to ask us about that. Because it's, yeah. you know, having Russian bees, you couldn't get them. That's right. Now you can. You can yeah. Mm -hmm. You literally can get them. I think I saw a uh, man Lake. You could just, <laughs> yeah. you could order whatever kind of bee you want. It's They've crazy. They've got quite a variety this year. That yeah, I saw that. Free. Yeah. That reminds me. So we talked about that at the. The price uh, of bees is unbelievable, isn't uh, it? We talked about it at the executive board. And that just reminded me, here's another thing we're going to do this year, is we decided at the executive board meeting that instead of just buying packages from Stan and installing them like we always do, yeah. we're going to install them into a nuke and see if it makes a difference. See if they grow faster. Scale them down. In other yeah. Words. Yep. It kind of goes along with what we've been saying right size is right right yeah. size box you put them in a big 10 frame box especially if there's no if it's just foundation you have a cool spring right right so uh you have a warm spring and they they have all they need yeah i think it was paul who he he, he reminded me he said you said you were going to do that bob yeah <laughs> so uh that's something we're going to do hardly scientific but interesting we're kind of all over the place, but something um, came back to me. I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, Russ sent me a note about that extraction you did. And yes. you and I had a conversation about thoughts on that. The comment that he made was, if you're trying to get a hive out of a cavity where it doesn't belong, one of the things you could do is take the stuff that you use to extract honey. To clear the supers. To clear it. And what he suggested is you put a pipe, like a PVC pipe or something. Like I had, yep. And you blow robber be yeah. gone or honey whatever. Be, honey be gone or honey be gone, honey whatever those products are. Butric yeah. acid or whatever they are. Fisher's yep. be quick. You blow that stuff through to the back of the hive and it will push them out. Yeah. And you said to me, you knew about that, but. But I didn't think of it at the time. Because mostly from the forest abscons that I've seen, they almost all do that, but they usually wait until the end after they've That's smoked the it was for four or five hours. So I think they're using that just to make sure that they get the queen. Yeah. Because, you know, she's usually running the other way. Is the smoke to make it inhospitable inside? Yes. Like they keep getting smoke, smoke, smoke. They think the forest is burning down. I hate that mm -hmm. analogy, but we use it. Right. But, you know, think about the, the queen. She just keeps going deeper and deeper into the nest to right. get away from the smoke. Yeah. So I thought it was a good suggestion from Russ. And I have to try it next time. I'm so proud of myself, Kevin, for last year. My first forced abscond. <laughs> and I got the queen. I was patient enough. It took me four or five hours. What amazes me is that you sat there and watched her <laughs> walk out. I got the queen. Yeah, that was amazing. So you went to ABF. The virtual conference this uh, I, week. I, did. I didn't get a chance to ask you. I, I thought, uh, you know, first this should be said with um, a disclaimer. You and I have been to so many different conferences. It's hard to surprise us with anything new. But I just wonder, yeah. was there anything you picked up there? Because the topic material looked pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. I guess... The only thing I would say, and this is one of the reasons that I went, I've never been to ABF before. You have. I yeah. haven't. Mm -hmm. um, I went to the... Yeah. It was interesting to hear the commercial guy's perspective. You know, a guy who has 30,000 hives 
talking about how he makes splits and why he makes splits, right? So it's a, it's a whole different, it's almost like it's a different, not a hobby, a whole different experience, the commercial experience versus the backyard beekeeper. And I wanted to know more about that. I actually missed the sessions that I wanted to go to. They were talking about taking the bees to almonds. Yeah. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Do they have recordings of those sessions that you went? Yeah, they do. So I'll have to see if I have a link. I'll send it to you. I went to, when I saw ABF's announcement, I went to ABF's and I looked at their thing. And um, last year, someone did a talk on propolis. And you had given me recently all the propolis. Well, I'm in the process and I'll have it probably for the next episode of building propolis tincture and learning a lot about that. And one of their presentations was there and I got to go back and look at it. Mm -hmm. And it looked really good, gave me a lot of information, you know? Yeah. So do do that. Go to abfnet.net or I forget what the website is. I think it's probably.org. abfnet.org. No, no net. (laughs) abf.org. I think it's net. Okay, well. Anyway, you look up the American all. Beekeepers Federation and you'll find their website, of course. And you can go yeah. back and look at their previous conferences and they typically post some of that stuff. It takes them forever to uh, get that stuff out. Sometimes you don't see last year's until they get mustered to do this year's. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that got me going on that commercial <laughs> beekeeping is I was reading an article about uh, wintering bees over indoors. Pretty interesting. Again, not something that you or I would do, probably. But the way the commercial guys are doing it now, constant temperature, ventilation, controlled humidity. Really interesting. On on that ABF topic line, they were talking about the latest conversations about what was going on with almonds, Mm -hmm. chemicals, the sprays, fungicides. That's that's the one I missed. That's a that big I, that's a big topic there. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Yeah, I. So, you know that I made soap recently. I did. I happened to be there, Kevin. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I told you I was going to make soap. You're like, I'll come over for that. <laughs> I even brought my wife, so I brought Kathy with me. That was pretty fun, actually. <laughs> it um, was. I think we learned a lot, and the soap is curing, and it still looks pretty damn good. I was happy with the outcome. Yep. It was pretty straightforward and simple, too. Again, you just have to be careful with some of the hazardous chemicals, the lye. That's that's the big issue. Yep. But you take proper precautions and do it right. That's on my list for winter projects next year. I, we made cold process soap, which I'll covered at some point i wrote it up how to do it um next thing is liquid soap and we have the materials for that Hmm. but we also made lip balm did you did you try that lip balm i I did actually my whole family tried it i gave (laughs) gave it out my daughter is living with us now so i gave it to her and my son-in-law and my wife yeah i'll tell you what um from a from a lip balm standpoint that Mm -hmm. stuff is so good and you know i'm I love the mocha mint version. Sorry, yeah, it's, there you it's, go. it's my lip balm this time. <laughs> I love the mocha mint version. Yes, I but do. But I wanted to try something different. And so this time when we made it, we didn't use the natural cocoa. Mm-hmm. Cocoa oil, cocoa coconut butter. oil or whatever. Cocoa butter. Cocoa butter. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm having a day. <laughs> it's because I went to bed at 3 in the morning last night. Yeah. Uh, you could buy refined coconut. Cocoa butter, sorry. Refined cocoa butter. Refined. They take the chocolatey out of it. Really? Yes. Ah. It's processed. It's not processed bad. It's just processed. And when you you do that, you lose that uh, white chocolate smell Mm -hmm. and taste. Yeah. And so when you're making a lip balm or something that you don't want that flavor to come through. And obviously, I, I mean, I don't think chocolate and orange would taste bad but the one that i gave you was tangerine flavor yes and also made a vanilla one Mm -hmm. and 
I like that vanilla too. The vanilla is really nice. Yeah. No, I never knew that. I have to remember that. Yeah, so we bought some different stuff this time. It's yeah. getting windy. I'm guessing it's coming through. Yeah, probably. Sorry. Sorry for the wind noise. <laughs> can't, can't help it. Yep. So, um, well, I was just saying it wasn't windy. It was a nice calm day. Yeah. <laughs> I jinxed it. Just a little kick up here. Um, so, so, it's been an ambitious, you know, break. Uh, had a good time. Made soap. Mm-hmm. Made lip balm. We made the um, tincture. Yes. For you know, process the propolis, and also I think I told you I did. Um, I had, and and I'll talk about this. I wrote this up for the next episode. Yeah, I didn't too. know if you wanted to spring this one out yet. Uh, bee bread. Bee bread extract. Yep. And it's actually they call it a pollen extract, which is what it is, but it's bee bread. And I had shared with you a link that showed um, were a resource that talked about how to make your own bee bread from scratch. Yes. I didn't even know you could do that. But apparently you could take pollen and break it down and then mix it with, uh, I'll just make up a term, like acidophilus or something and yeah, add yeah. it ferment. And mm-hmm. you could make bee bread outside of the hive. Did you ever hear of such a thing? I haven't. And I guess my first uh, reaction would be, why would you want to? I would much rather feed my bees fresh pollen. I think, well, I think than, this is for us, bee bread. for people to eat. Ah, okay, okay. Products of the hive, not. Huh. Don't you worry about contamination? Well, I guess like yogurt, right? It has yeah. certain things that are supposed to maybe protect it. But I don't yeah. know. I just, it was fascinating to me that somebody suggested that that could be done. But yeah. the next quest I'm on is root beer. <laughs> okay root beer so i went to the when you were at the abf thing i told you i wasn't going to sign up for that because i had a session i went to a maryland meeting where they talked about how to make mead and root beer Hmm. and basically the root beer was made by putting together water and yeast mixing it with a root beer extract and it ferments to make real root beer and they used Zatarans and uh, have the recipe for it. And again, I'll, I'll talk about this. But I think in my future, what I want to do is I want to do two kinds. That piqued my interest to go look up how to make real root beer, mm-hmm. not use somebody else's extract. Because what Sharon had told me is that her parents, when they were young, used to go out in the woods and pull up the roots and steep them like tea and make their own concoction that was the root beer base. Mm-hmm. And so I went online and found this video from this guy who makes soda. He makes all kinds of flavored soda. And of course, he had an episode on root beer. And he went through, in a Kevin kind of way, the whole why, <laughs> uh, what ingredients to use, how to mix it. And it looks really approachable. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, you know, and, and one of the more common things to do when you're making a yeast-based root beer is you use honey because you have to feed the yeast oh, okay. to, to get See. the ferment mm-hmm. and get the bubbles. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to try that. I, was, I spent um, a little bit of time this morning <laughs> looking through that. Mm-hmm. There's a bluebird right there in the field. See it? Just flew up to this tree right here. We we have bluebirds uh, in our year in our yard this year. Yeah. That's them flying around there. Yeah, and there's one down there. There's, there's like four or five of them, but yeah. we just actually pulled the bluebird bluebird <laughs> bluebird uh, boxes that I built. Sharon's going to paint them and get them up in spring because we like to have them around the yard. Yeah, I maybe had... they'll scare away the freaking catbirds. <laughs> no, you know my problem. I have I have bluebird houses and I've had bluebirds nest in them. The problem is the damn house wrens come and build a nest over the bluebird oh, really? nest. Yeah. Chase them a, out. Been a real problem, yep, for me. When I was a kid, we used to come on the train from Ringo's or from Flemington and come through two Ringo's and get off the train and walk up and down the railroad tracks here. Yeah. Incredible, rare occasion. It's going to happen, and you should know what to do about it. 
Well, you made a good point before, and that's euthanize it, not just to get rid of the hive, but also so those genetics don't propagate. You know, that it doesn't send drones out, and next thing you know, you've got those nasty genes in the local population. Right, and that's part of the remediation process, is to understand that if you are going to attempt to remediate a hive that doesn't require euthanization, but does require requeening or course correction, to do what you can to ensure that you're not causing issues in your neighborhood, right? Because yeah. you certainly don't want another hive down the road to have that same kind well, of... Well, just remind people that you want to, you might want to control the drones from that hive while you're requeening it. Right. Well, what I did with the split that I made, and I made the split to divide the population so that I wasn't going to get destroyed when I went to go dress it, mm -hmm. but I put a queen excluder over the bottom board so that the drones were trapped in the hive. Yeah. And later when I came back after requeening it, all the drones were sitting on the bottom board or on that uh, yeah, queen, queen excluder. excluder. Wow. And I literally was able to just take them off the side and dispatch them and be done with them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, hey, two for two. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. Uh, getting to be a regular. Yeah. I got a topic we're going to have to talk about at some point, but we'll get there. I'm just looking, you know what? Spring's going to be here like, boom. Right? I think so. You know, days are getting longer. All right. All right. Thanks for chatting. Yep. Take care. We'll see you. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Just wanted to say Happy New Year to everybody since it's our first episode. And let you know if you want to write in. Kevin at pkcorner.org is my email address. We'll close off with our customary end. Like our beloved bees, when beekeepers go together, we accomplish great things. Thanks for listening, everyone, and be well, be safe.